When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, it's Mark Brown. I'm on vacation, so instead of your regular Good Morning Birdland, there are going to be a few episodes talking about things that are not impacted by the current fortune of the 2023 Orioles. So however awesome or terrible it's gotten since I recorded this on July the 22nd, if the Orioles have won seven games in a row or lost seven games in a row, if they've traded for Lucas Giolito or Justin Verlander or Shohei Otani or no one else beyond Shintaro Fujinami, the mark of this recording knows nothing about it. Sorry. If you need to freak out, go to CamdenChat.com and our staff will surely have you covered. For today's Good Morning Birdland vacation special, I will be looking back at the trades that Mike Elias has made since arriving as general manager of the Orioles, where he sent out veterans from the major league roster and got back minor leaguers, or if he was lucky, players who could sort of be called prospects if you squinted. By my count, There were a total of 13 trades that fit into this category, stretching from July the 19th on through to the 2022 trade deadline. And note that I'm not counting every trade Mike Elias has made. There were a lot of relatively inconsequential ones in there, like where in his first year he was trading away international bonus money for players like Dwight Smith Jr., There have been a couple of instances where players who were designated for assignment by the Orioles were traded away and they got back another spare part major leaguer type of player. Uh, And then, of course, back in the past offseason, the Orioles traded for Cole Irvin, which was not a rebuilding trade at all. My goal really is just to look at the veteran for prospect rebuilding trades and see how those uh, collectively and individually are working out at this point in time. 
So let's get right down to it. The very first one of these trades was when Elias struck early in the 2019 month of July, where he sent Andrew Kashner to the Boston Red Sox for outfielder Elio Prado and infielder Noelberth Romero. And, you know, that's mainly a memorable trade for me because I remember hearing about this on the radio on the way up to an Orioles game, and I was annoyed as the person who needed to write about it for Camden Chat that I wasn't at home to be able to write about it. But Kashner was, you know, a holdover free agent signing from the Dan Duquette era, the ill-advised attempt to contend in the 2018 season that, of course, was not going to happen whether or not they signed Andrew Kashner and Alex Cobb. In the 2019 season, around the trade deadline, he was overachieving relative to some of his recent performance. So Elias, again, he struck early. He traded for that pair of players, two 17-year-old players from Venezuela. So that was an early sign of Elias trying to target some international amateur, former international amateurs of the kind that the Orioles really wouldn't be fully operational in signing until 2021 uh, when they could start getting, you know, significant players from those classes. So Prado, he only reached Aberdeen within the last couple of weeks. He is still only age 21, so there's time for him to maybe become serviceable. And the infielder Romero has bounced around four different levels this year. He's not hitting well anywhere. So while you can say, yes, he's been promoted to Norfolk, I actually think that's a sign that the Orioles just don't really care about him at all, and they're just using him to plug in whatever hole uh, there is to um, plug in at assorted affiliates this year. And that was actually the only trade during the 2019 season, which is actually not that surprising since, as we talked about last time, Duquette's teardown was maybe more thorough than it needed to be in trading away players like Kevin Gossman and Jonathan Scope, who I think otherwise would have probably been 2019 trade deadline candidates for Elias. So moving ahead to the offseason between 2019 and 2020 seasons, uh, around the non-tender deadline that offseason, the Orioles traded Jonathan VR to the Marlins for a relief pitcher, Easton Lucas. And that was a frustrating trade to me because that early in the rebuilding period, I was kind of foolishly hoping that although there was no hope of the Orioles, like, you know, adding significant talent to the roster, I was at least hoping maybe they wouldn't do any more like subtracting from the team. VR was coming off a 4.3 war season. So it was like, well, you know, maybe they could keep him around and the team would suck a little bit less. Well, no, that's not what happened. Uh, They traded him for Lucas and that was what we got. Lucas has subsequently been spun into Shintaro Fujinami, which will hopefully be a trade that works out for the Orioles. Although as I am currently recording this, it is uh, two games in his Orioles career. He has allowed runs in both of those games. So that was not too exciting. Although at the same time, you definitely could in the early Shintaro Fujinami outing see um, signs of how he would be a possibly better reliever than Brian Baker and Mike Bauman, which I think is the ultimate sign. But yeah, um, VR, despite having his four wins above replacement season for the Orioles in 2019, ended up being a negative 0.1 in the shortened 2020 season. So actually, it looks like the Orioles probably got rid of him at the right time. 
Again, not that it was fun at the time. The other trade of that offseason is when the Orioles sent Dylan Bundy to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, etc., receiving a quartet of pitchers, Kyle Burnovich, Zach Peek, Kyle Bradish, and Isaac Matson. And to me, that's like the platonic ideal of a Mike Elias trade, especially in these rebuilding trades, because what he got was three pitchers who had been drafted in the previous two drafts. Kyle Bradish was a fourth-round pick in 2018, Zach Peek, a sixth-round pick in 2019, Kyle Brnovich, eighth-round pick in 2019. So, I mean, those are the players that Mike Elias was mostly, until 2023, not selecting. And early on, he was using his trade-away a veteran for prospect deals to get pitchers who had already been drafted by other teams and maybe shown one or two promising things kind of got them in bulk before anyone had developed into much of anything yet. Uh, the closest guy to the big leagues at the time of that trade was the reliever, Isaac Matson. He, um, if he had ever turned into something good, he might have himself been traded in 2020 or 2021, but he never turned into anything good. Uh, of course, Kyle Bradish has turned into, you could even argue, the best Orioles starting pitcher so far in the 2023 season. And the other two pitchers, Bernovich and Peek, are working their way back from Tommy John surgery. Um, Bernovich just hit the Aberdeen Ironbirds on his own rehab assignment. And in the 2021 season, he struck out 75 batters in 60 and two-thirds innings pitched. So that was pretty cool. It was unfortunate then he needed to get the Tommy John. And I do think it's possible he could still end up being an interesting prospect. But for now... He's not back up to the level where he was before the surgery, still on the rehab. Moving ahead to during the 2020 season, of course, this season was very strange. It was the shortened 60-game season due to all the COVID chaos, and the Orioles actually made a trade very early in that season in the midst of the COVID chaos as they traded reliever Richard Blyer to the Marlins for infielder Isaac De Leon. That was weird because it was when the Marlins had their crazy COVID uh so many cases, and they couldn't even play games for like over a week. I thought maybe the Orioles would actually be able to get more of an interesting prospect since they were kind of coming in when the team needed to make a move, but that wasn't the way it worked out. Blyer probably did not have very high trade value at that time. He was bad in the 2020 se- uh, 2019 season, excuse me, although he had had some success for the Orioles and has gone on to have some success in the major leagues since that trade, including for the Marlins in that 2020 season. Um, the player the Orioles got back, Isaac De Leon, so far this year, a, a 6.17 OPS for the Aberdeen Ironbirds at age 21. Not a whole lot to say about that trade. Moving in towards that year's more traditional trade deadline, although it was happening at the end of August, again, due to the weird shortened schedule, the Orioles traded Michael Givens to the Colorado Rockies for Taryn Vavra and Tyler Nevin, as well as a player to be named later who turned into outfielder Michelle Dyson. Dessen, I actually don't know how that one's pronounced, sorry. Um, you know, Vavra and Nevin have played for the Orioles, and they turned out to be kind of placeholder players during the years where the Orioles were not as, um, they weren't really contending. Although Vavra did play for the 2023 Orioles, he did not secure himself um, like the utility player role for the whole season or anything. He only um, appeared in 27 games 
in the minors and is now on the injured list in the minors. Currently, Nevin was a potential power bat, but ended up to not have enough power for the corner infield spots that he was limited to, especially uh, first base, which he was really, really limited to. And then the outfielder, Desson, 21 years old and is on the injured list, has not played yet this season. So as far as contributing to next good Orioles team, the, uh, the given seal kind of a wash. Just for the sake of completion, I'm going to mention Tommy Malone being traded to the Braves for Greg Cullen and A.J. Graffinino. Um, Malone had been a scrap heap signing that offseason, and he was traded during the weird 2020 season for old, non-prospect, kind of warm bodies. It was interesting that the Orioles were able to turn him into, you know, anything with a pulse, but even this deal was barely worth talking about then, and nothing has happened to make it any more worth talking about. One more that has unfortunately not really developed in anything, the Orioles traded reliever Miguel Castro to the Mets, getting back pitcher Kevin Smith, as well as a young outfielder, Victor Gonzalez. Sorry, not an outfielder, young infielder, Victor Gonzalez. And Kevin Smith was a lefty with decent high A results in the 2019 season, and he did end up being placed on the Orioles' 40-man roster when he had to be, but he could not throw strikes at high levels and was ultimately removed from the roster before debuting for the Orioles. The same fate has been met by pitcher Noah DeNoyer in 2023 and may yet end up happening to Orioles' 2018 draftee, Drew Rahm. Gonzalez, the 20-year-old infielder, he is still in the Florida Complex League. So again, there's another trade probably not likely to end up making much of an impact on the 2023 or beyond Orioles. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, so let's dive right back into it. We are now in the 2020-2021 offseason in which the Orioles traded shortstop Jose Iglesias to the Los Angeles Angels, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They received in return two pitchers, John Pinto and Garrett Stallings. And 
That trade, again, it was disappointing if you wanted to convince yourselves that the Orioles were not going to be mega tanking in the 2021 season, which in retrospect, since they got the number one pick and used it on Jackson Holiday, does look like it was the right thing to do. Um, but Iglesias, I mean, he had a 1.3 war in only 39 games in the shortened 2020 season. So that was like, okay, maybe, you know, he can be an interesting player. Just let him finish his contract. It wasn't that expensive for 2021, but it actually doesn't look bad. They traded him away since he was worth negative 0.7 war between the Angels and Red Sox in the 2021 season, which leaves the Orioles with Pinto who has posted a 3.16 ERA between high A and double A this year. He has struck out 89 batters in 68 and a third innings as of this podcast recording. Still just 22 years old, so he is interesting in uh, the age-appropriate minor league levels as a prospect. Garrett Stallings, a little bit older at 25, makes him less of an interesting prospect. He has been split between double A and triple A this year after posting a six plus ERA with double A Bowie last year. He does have an acceptable strikeout to walk rate near three, a little bit below three, and is striking out over a batter per inning. So it's not over with him. He will need to be added to the 40 man roster if the Orioles think he's shown enough that some team might want to draft him as a rule five player. And I guess we'll see what happens with that. That probably depends on how he goes and finishes the rest of the season with Norfolk. That offseason, the Orioles also traded Alex Cobb as well as Cash, again to the Angels, receiving infielder Jamai Jones. Cobb was really a bust as an Oriole as he was either injured or bad. And as we know, it was idiotic to give up a draft pick to sign him in the 2018 season at the end of spring training when he couldn't even start contributing to the Orioles right at the start of the season in the first place. Now, naturally, since leaving the Orioles, Alex Cobb has a 3.57 ERA across three seasons. So let's all heave a big sigh about that. All right, Jemai Jones, the Orioles acquired him for his age 23 season, which made him young enough to be interesting, and especially it made him more interesting than Pat Vileka, who played a lot of Jones's positions, second base, for the Orioles that season. However, as it turned out, Jones um, was not really worth all the excitement. He played in 26 games for the Orioles that year, posted a 402 OPS. Still, I would have rather seen him than Pat Vileka, who we knew was not going to be anything, and Jones had possibility to be polished into something interesting. I still don't really know what that was about, but uh, in the end, it was a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. We actually skip ahead to the 2021 season now, when the Orioles had only one trade, where they sent infielder Freddie Galvis to the Phillies, his longtime home, and received in return reliever Tyler Birch. Galvis, he was hitting barely acceptably for a shortstop, about a one-war player at the time the Orioles traded him. Birch was, at the time of the trade, a 23-year-old reliever in high A, and he was bad for Bowie last year, a bit better in terms of ERA this year, but he is walking 4.4 batters per nine innings and is now in his age 25 season, so not a whole lot to write home about there. I think the Orioles just trade a very similar player, Lucas, away to get Shintaro Fujinami. Um, Birch is even less interesting than that since he's not even a lefty. And yeah, that's where we are. 
Which brings us into the 2022 season, where the Orioles made a surprising move before the season even began when they traded Tanner Scott and Cole Sulser to the Miami Marlins, and they ended up receiving three players as well as a draft pick for that trade. That was outfielder Kevin Guerrero, a pitcher named Antonio Velez, and a young relief pitcher named Yaki Rivera. They also received a round B competitive balance pick that the Orioles used on Judd Fabian in the 2022 draft. And I mean, this was another really surprise trade for me as it was just days before the season began. You could have been imagining, okay, who's going to be in the Orioles bullpen. You certainly would have figured Cole Salser and Tanner Scott were going to be in the bullpen. And it turned out to be a major shakeup to the bullpen. The Orioles decided to sell high on Salser after he was very good in the 2021 season. All right, maybe that was a little generous to say very good, but he was he was good. Um, but then he stunk in 2022 after that trade, and this year he is hurt. Tanner Scott was as wild as ever for the Marlins after being traded there, although this year he is having a bit of a career year, I would say. He's walking only 3.5 batters per nine innings, and he's got a 1.065 whip. So the one thing about that trade is it did eventually allow the Orioles to turn Jorge Lopez and Felix Bautista into the uh, late-inning relievers that they turned out to be for 2022, which I think ultimately turned out to be a positive for the Orioles as much as it was, again, you know, the same as I was frustrated when they traded away VR, like, I didn't want them to continue to be subtracting ahead of 2022. You know, it was, we certainly hoped that last year would be the year where maybe they could get into like the 70s for win totals. And of course, they ended up winning 83. Not that we knew that in April or even March when they traded Scott and Sulcer. As for the players they got back, really not a whole lot to say about either Guerrero or Velez. Rivera, if you've been listening to this podcast, we just talked about a little bit. Spent his age 19 season mostly at Delmarva. Just got promoted to Aberdeen. He's been fine in relief. You know, we'll see. Uh, he's he's kind of a lottery ticket. The draft pick, Judd Fabian, has now got six home runs in 23 games as of this recording with the Bowie Bay Sox. He has stolen 24 bases this season between high A and double A. The outfielder does need to improve his batting average at Bowie where he is below the Mendoza line, but he looks like an interesting player. And especially if he can get up to something like a 240, 250 batting average with his other skills, I think that will turn out to be really great that the Orioles were able to get that extra pick and get and use it on Fabian. You know, those were the picks that Dan Duquette was frequently trading away as if they didn't matter. And they do matter. You can get good players with those picks. You know, the Orioles used their pick like that in 2020 to get Jordan Westberg, who is now certainly a very interesting player. They used it on Fabian. Last year, they used one of those picks on Dylan Beavers, who has some interesting things going on for him as a prospect. So, yeah, that trade was fun since that was, okay, the Orioles actually got one of these trades and uh, picks instead of flushing them away. And last but certainly not least, um, we got our, our twin trade deadline deals last year where the Orioles sent Trey Mancini to the Astros in a three-way trade that netted for the Orioles Chase McDermott from the Astros and Seth Johnson from the Rays. And then they sent Jorge Lopez to the Twins for 
Juan Nunez, Cade Povich, Juan Rojas, and Yenier Cano. All pitchers. So they got all pitchers for those trades. And, you know, it was a double punch for any fans who just wanted the Orioles to go for it with the team they had after surprising everyone with the 10-game winning streak in July. I felt that pain as well. I get it. But as it turned out, Mancini was not good at all after getting traded to the Astros, a 622 OPS the rest of the season. Sorry to Trey. Also, sorry to my wife, for whom Trey was her favorite player for the Orioles before he got traded away. And Lopez, in the time since being traded to the Twins, has an ERA near five. Him being traded allowed Bautista to seize the closer role, which is looking pretty awesome. So, I mean, again... Ultimately, these trades, not only do they have the potential to impact the Orioles positively in the future, but in fact, just by trading away guys who are probably due to regress in the second half of last season, they actually ultimately helped on the field. Not that anyone wanted to see that or think of it that way at the time. As for the prospects, Chase McDermott is up to AAA. He does have a high walk rate, 5.7 walks per nine innings for the season. Seth Johnson still working his way back from Tommy John's surgery. He was a top 100 caliber prospect before the surgery, although by the time he gets back, he is going to be old for a prospect, even considering the uh, Tommy John status. So, you know, he's already on the 40-man roster. I, I really don't know why the Orioles are uh, just using a player, using a spot on him when they could have him on the Major League 60-day injured list. That would... Result in him getting paid a little bit more money while on the injured list. It would result in him accumulating service time while on the injured list. But, I mean, realistically, he is already 24 years old. So that's not really a guy you necessarily want to worry about that stuff with. But whatever, the Orioles are doing what they're doing. As for the pitchers they got in the other trade, Cade Povich, he's got a high ERA at Bowie, 4.86. It makes me wince a little bit, but a very excellent K rate. 116 strikeouts in 76 and a third innings. I think his main issue, he's going to need to cut the walks a bit. 4.1 walks per nine innings. Yannier Cano, I mean, the results speak for themselves, although um, it is an increasing concern of whether he's tiring out and getting poor results as his arm is maybe getting tired. Um, But, you know, he deserved the all-star bid that he got, and I hope The Orioles are maybe able to rest him a little more and get him back to what we saw in the first like six weeks or so of the season. And then the two guys named Juan, Nunez and Rojas, uh, they're still in lottery ticket territory. If we end up ever having much to say about them, that would be great. But, you know, they weren't the headliners. And realistically, just the fact that Cano contributed in, if nothing else, April and May for the 2023 Orioles, I think makes the Jorge Lopez trade, an absolute win. And that's without even getting into Povich now being an interesting pitcher, etc. So, yeah, I mean, we've mentioned a lot of names here, a lot like with the Dan Duquette fire sale trades from the last vacation episode. Literally, we've named 30 players acquired by the Orioles. Okay, of that 30, precisely two are positive contributors to the 2023 Orioles. That is Kyle Bradish and Yenier Cano. And indirectly, a third current member of the Orioles roster since Easton Lucas was traded for Shintaro Fujinami. So that's three players who are positive contributors if Fujinami works out. Again, I mean, he had a tough first couple of outings, but we did see where he could be very good if he's able to put it all together in subsequent outings, maybe lower leverage outings uh, than he's been used in so far. 
So that's the three. And depending on how much you want to squint, I think you could say there's as many as, I would say, six guys who are still worth um, following in some way as prospects. And that's Kyle Brnovich, John Pinto, Yaki Rivera, Judd Fabian, the draft pick, not a direct um, player retrieved in the trade, but the the pick they got was used on Fabian, Cade Povich, and I think Juan Nunez. I didn't really run through his stats, but he's got some interesting things going on at lower levels, although he is old for the lower levels. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with those guys. There are you know, they're, they're just late blooming prospects or their injury issues or whatever. Um, in different ways, they're all kind of lottery tickets. And if they amount to something great, if they don't, they're not the players the Orioles are ultimately counting on. So in summary, tanking sucks, even when it's basically the only option, uh, combined with our last episode, these five years of trades have netted four players currently on the 26-man Orioles roster. That's Dean Kramer from the Duquette Fire Sale and Mike Elias' guys. And, you know, I'm glad that Mike Elias is not trading veterans away anymore, or at least fingers crossed. I'm I'm pretty stupid uh, if he ends up doing that at this trade deadline. It's just more fun, you know, when the Orioles are winning and they're not subtracting veterans from the team and getting worse, or on paper getting worse in the process, you know? Okay, so that's all I've got for the Elias Rebuilding Trade episode. I will be back next time. I'm not sure exactly when. It could be August the 2nd. It could be August the 4th to talk about Mike Elias's draft classes to date and how they're working out so far. The next regular episode of Good Morning Birdland will be on August the 8th. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.